National League Championship. They have beaten the Padres 4-3, and they celebrate on their home turf as the Phillies of the 2022 NL WHYY and Billy Penn, it is hitting season, and Red October gets off to a red-hot start. As the Phillies take game one of their wildcard series against the Miami Marlins, 4-1. to one. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Just full disclosure, I'm dealing with a cough, and so the voice isn't what it normally is. I am hoping that I can just bleed my voice through these first couple of games uh, and until we can get past this round because uh, we, we have got to talk about this wild card game number one, the Zach Wheeler Show at Citizens Bank Park tonight uh, as the Phillies take a one nothing lead in this best of three series. They can win and move on to the next round in the division series by taking game two tomorrow night uh, with Aaron Nola on the mound. But let's focus on what happened here on Tuesday night. 45,662 of you filled the ballpark and it sounded wild on the TV. That was the Phillies' sixth straight win in postseason openers, by the way. That's the third longest active streak in Major League Baseball. And really what this was, again, the Zach Wheeler show here in game one of the Wild Card series against the Marlins. He was absolutely amazing in this game, specifically for the first six innings. Ran into some trouble in the seventh inning. It looked like he was starting to tire a little bit, but six and two-thirds for Zach Wheeler. Five hits allowed, just one earned run, and even that was a ticky-tack run. Eight strikeouts. No walks in six and two-thirds innings. In seven career postseason starts, Zach Wheeler has a 2.55 ERA. He has five quality starts in the playoffs. Among Phillies hurlers, only Cole Hamels, who has nine, by the way, and Steve Carlton with seven has more. Cole Hamels was in the stadium tonight, in the seats, watching the Phillies win this game number one. Uh, Zach Wheeler, a 2.58 ERA. Uh and a 0.73 whip with a 162 opponent's batting average in seven playoff starts with the Phillies. Opponents are 24 for 148 against him with two home runs. He was just lights out in this game, and he was so efficient through the first six innings. Had to throw a few more pitches in the seventh inning as the Marlins started scratching out a couple of two-strike, two-out hits, but 100 pitches for Zach Wheeler, 64 for strikes. I mentioned some bad luck there in the seventh inning. Uh, Berger had an infield single, hit to the second baseman Bryson Stott. Bryce Harper just inexperienced at first base, ranged too far to his right, and Zach Wheeler was caught watching the play, did not cover first base like he should have, so Berger gets on with a two-out, two-strike infield single, and then uh, De La Cruz hits an infield single. Nice play by Bohm, just couldn't get the ball out of his glove in time to throw De La Cruz out to end the inning. That got the Marlins on the board. But other than that, Zach Wheeler was absolutely stellar. And this is, this is no doubt one of the most underrated superstars in baseball. You know, I don't think we think of Zach Wheeler as a superstar here in Philadelphia. We know he's a great pitcher. We know he's our ace. We know he's our number one. But when you think of, when you come up with the list of Philly stars on this team, you're going to think of the guys in the lineup. And I don't think we think about Zach. Zach Wheeler should be, at or near the top, when we think it should be like Bryce Harper, Zach Wheeler, like that's where he should be in the pecking order of superstars on this team because he just goes out and he does it every dadgum time. He is he is a game one starter. He is a big game, game one 
superstar stud, and he came out with lightning bolts in his hands in this game. 99 miles an hour, and location. My goodness, the man's command was impeccable. I don't think he threw a fastball over the middle of the plate the whole night. And if he did, the Marlins were so twisted up, keeping an eye out for his sweepers and for his sliders and for his two-seam fastballs that they'd get that 98-mile-an-hour gas over the middle of the plate and just didn't know what to do with it. I mean, you had Jazz Chisholm up there trying to bunt with a runner on first base down by, what was it, three runs or two runs or whatever. Well, like, what are you doing, Jazz? What, 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 that's, that, that's, not something, that's not something you should be doing. But he just didn't know what to do against Zach Wheeler. And the entire Marlins lineup. This was a game, you look at this, you look at these two teams, and specifically with Zach Wheeler and Jesus Lazardo. And Lazardo pitched pretty well. Really got, got out of a lot of trouble. The Phillies left a lot of meat on the bone in the early innings offensively. Lazardo, give him credit. He, he pitched well, but couldn't get into the fifth inning. The Phillies really made him work. And I think what you saw, the big takeaway from this game one, is not only that Zach Wheeler is a superhuman super stud who we should be elevating higher than we have. Maybe the best free agent starting pitcher signing in Major League history. I'm trying to think of others who might be better. John Lester was a really good one with the, with the Cubs. But I mean, like, for what the Phillies paid for Zach Wheeler and what they've gotten from him, he's been everything you could ever want in a free agent starting pitcher signing. Talk about nailing that signing. What, what, a, what a job met by Matt Klintak. Good on him for getting that one right. And Zach Wheeler has become that guy. But you just see these two teams, and one of these teams looked like they'd been here before, and one of these teams looked like they were getting introduced to playoff baseball. It's a whole different thing. And as we saw from the 45,662 of you screaming, waving the towel, so they've mentioned it on the broadcast a couple of different times, there was not an empty seat in the place. Nobody was in the concourses buying cheesesteaks. No one was strolling around Ashburn Alley. And you guys who were there tonight meant business. And it's just so amazing to hear the broadcast talk over and over again about what an amazing crowd this is, what an amazing atmosphere this is. Uh, you had Rob Manfred, who was talking about the fact that they they put the Phillies on prime time because of the energy of the crowd. He said that the postseason got a huge boost last year because of Philadelphia, because of the games being played there. That That's incredible. And you saw how the crowd, I think, affected Miami. And make no and Zach Wheeler said after the game that the crowd had him ju juiced up a little bit. Get probably gave an extra mile an hour on his fastball. I mean, it was just it was an incredible atmosphere. And one of these teams looked ready for the moment, and one of these teams did not. Now that doesn't mean that the Marlins won't come out and and play better in Game Two, but in Game One, Zach Wheeler was a guy who'd been there before and was just cutting through the Marlins like tissue paper. It was something to watch. The command with that fastball to throw 98-99 and hit your corners like that was was just, what are you going to do if you're Miami? And Skip Schumacher after the game said, you know, Zach Wheeler just was unhittable. He couldn't hit him. And then, so, I mean, just a, a tremendous outing from, from Zach Wheeler. That's going to be the big takeaway here from game one that 
the Marlins were just not able to touch anything that he had to offer. And we were concerned about all the left-handers the Marlins were going to throw at the Phillies here in this series. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, very good starting pitcher, got the nod for game one. The Phillies really did a tremendous job here in this game one of simply just wearing him down, wearing him down, making him throw a lot of pitches. They got second and third with nobody out in the first inning and weren't able to score. And that that was une- made you feel uneasy because, you know, you get Kyle Schwarber to hit a single, Trey Turner hits a double. They had to hold uh, Kyle Schwarber at third base on the Trey Turner double. And we're going to talk about Dusty Wathen here in just a second. I don't know what was going on with him tonight, but uh, an ultra-conservative game uh, coaching third base from Dusty Wathen. Uh, We'll get to that in just a second. But the Phillies had runners in scoring position issues tonight. Coming into the eighth inning, three for 12. Uh, Plus, they had a runner thrown out at home through seven innings. But um, they did get a big hit. Um, it wasn't with a runner in scoring position, but with Bryce Harper on first base, it ended up being um, a run scoring uh, hit. We'll get to that in just a second as well. But the Phillies, we knew that the Phillies right handed hitters were going to need to do the job against Jesus Lazardo and against uh, a number of left handed relievers uh, that the that the Marlins were going to bring in. And the, the righties did a good job in this game. Trey Turner had an outstanding game, uh, went uh, two for three with a walk in his first game. As a member of the Phillies, Alec Bohm had the first big hit of the of the playoffs for the Phillies. Um, after getting a runner on with a runner in scoring position with nobody out, looked like the Phillies were going to blow another golden scoring opportunity. They had Schwarber and Turner on second and third with nobody out, but Alec Bohm flew out in the first out for, in the first inning. And again, an interesting decision by Dusty Wathen not to send Schwarber there. He should have. Schwarber would have scored on a sacrifice fly there, and Turner would have gone to third base. But for whatever reason, Dusty Wathen held Schwarber at third base, and then Harper struck out, and Real Muto flied out, and that ended the first inning with the score still tied 0-0, and Luzardo got quite a lift after that. Uh, but then in the third inning, Johan Rojas comes through with a huge hit in his first at-bat in the postseason. Grinded a nine-pitch at-bat, fouling off a bunch of pitches from Lizardo, uh, and then smacked a, a line-drive single to left field to get on first. He stole second on a ball in the dirt and then scored on Alec Bohm's clutch RBI double with two out to give the Phillies a one nothing lead. The Phillies got runners on second and third with nobody out in the third and converted. Uh, pardon me, in the fourth and converted. Uh, Bryson Stott hit an RBI single to make it Two to nothing. Castellanos, who hit a bloop double right before then, was thrown out at home on Stott's single up the middle by Chisholm. A terrific throw from center field to get Castellanos by a hair at home plate. I like the decision to send Castellanos there. It was an aggressive send because the ball was sharply hit to Chisholm, but I thought it was the right call. It took a perfect throw from Chisholm uh, to get Castellanos at home. If that ball's just a little bit off to the left or to the right, Castellanos scores. So it's unfortunate. The Phillies get a run cut down at the plate, but it's two to nothing. And then Christian Pache, one of the interesting decisions that Rob Thompson had to make was starting Pache, a right-handed hitter, in place of Brandon Marsh, who's a left-handed hitter, against the lefty Lozardo. It worked out here in game one as Pache delivered an RBI single up the middle against a drawn-in infield to make it three to nothing, coming through with a runner in scoring position and less than two outs. But uh, as a whole on the day, the Phillies went three for 14 with runners in scoring position and left seven guys on base. So they they left a lot of offense on the field. Uh, in the first part of the game. Uh, Miami makes it 3-1, to one, and then in the bottom of the eighth inning, the Phillies get a much-needed insurance run uh, thanks to a Bryce Harper single and then a Nick Castellanos RBI double down the left field line. Harper running through 
a clear-as-day Dusty Wanthen stop sign in the eighth inning and scored rather easily to make it 4-1, to one. and that gave Craig Kimbrell a little bit of breathing room in the ninth inning. But base running was huge in this game. The Phillies were really aggressive. We saw it with uh, Christian Pache. We saw it with Johan Rojas. We saw them. Uh, Nick Castellanos uh, stretched a, what might have been a single into a double um, in right in the play right before he got thrown out at home, but it was a great hustle double for, for Nick Castellanos. I mean, this team was just, they were dialed in, man. They were dialed in. They, they, it's, they didn't miss a beat from the end of the regular season. And having, having Zach Wheeler do what he does gives you a lot of confidence as an offense. You know you don't need to do a whole lot when Zach Wheeler is, is in that mode. And he was in assassin mode here in game one. He's your, this is the ace, man. This is, this is the guy. And the Phillies offense was able to grind out four runs against a, a pretty good Marlins pitching staff to win this thing four to one. Um, the bullpen, interesting usage by the bullpen here. Jose Alvarado gets the is the first guy called. Uh, goes to to clean up the a little bit of a mess uh, that that was uh, left by by Zach Wheeler and really again the defense as I mentioned before. Um, they didn't do anything really wrong, just some bad luck there uh, in that seventh inning for for the Phillies and for Zach Wheeler. But Jose Alvarado comes in, uh, gets the final out of the seventh inning in impressive fashion. Yuli Gurriel brought in to pinch hit, and Alvarado strikes him out with runners on second and third. Uh, and then he comes out for a wraparound inning. Comes out to start the eighth inning, gets the first two outs, and then uh, gives up a hit. So uh, who do they? Who do the Phillies bring out with Jorge Soler coming up to the plate? It's not Sir Anthony Dominguez, not like 2022. Uh, we have confirmation that Jeff Hoffman has moved ahead of Sir Anthony Dominguez in the Phillies bullpen power rankings in terms of who Rob Thompson is going to trust. And so uh, Jeff Hoffman comes in and gets the job done as he has done all year long with a huge force out on a ground ball by Jorge Soler. And that was really the Marlins' last big threat because Craig Kimbrell comes on in the ninth inning and Josh Bell just continues to hurt the Phillies, man. It doesn't matter who he plays for. Josh Bell gets big hits against the Phillies. He is just a Philly killer. He led off the ninth with a double, but then Kimbrell retires the next three hitters without much of a problem. And the Phillies go on to have a four to one win. This is the template, man. I mean, I think we're going to see the Phillies hit more home runs in some of their wins, but this is the template pitching-wise. Get your starting pitcher, your stud starter, to give you uh, six and two-thirds, pitch into the seventh inning, and then rely on some of these high-leverage guys, Alvarado, Hoffman, Kimbrell, to get you through the end of this game. And you're going to see some Sir Anthony in there. You're going to see some, some Gregory Soto in there, some Matthew Strom in there. But, man, they just have so many more... High leverage arms. Everybody that the Phillies put out there tonight was throwing 97 to 98 miles an hour. Every single one of them. You didn't have David Robertson throwing slop up there. You didn't have Zach Eflin, who's a good pitcher, but does not throw hard and needs to induce contact. That's not really what you're looking for from a ninth inning guy. Phillies didn't have to deal with that in this, and they don't have to deal with that this year. They they have guys who throw smoke, and they've got good breaking stuff too. And Craig Kimbrell looked like towards the end he might have, things might have been starting to get away from him just a little bit, uh, but he recovered and got those uh, got those last three hitters to to not lock down the save. Again, that that insurance run in the bottom of the eighth inning just made everybody feel a whole lot better with Kimbrell coming in in the ninth inning to the point where you know Josh Bell hits that leadoff double. Now all of a sudden Kimbrell isn't facing the tying run at the plate. He would have needed to allow one more base runner for that to happen, and it never happened. So you never were really. 
nervous at that point. When you get another guy on, that's when you start to get really nervous. That's when the the playoff shakes come. That's what I like to call the playoff shakes. You know, when uh, those those tense moments where the other team has the tying run at the plate or the go ahead run at the plate, and you know your guy falls behind two and zero in the count. You just that's when the playoff shakes start, and that's when you need to take the medicine. Whatever, whatever your medicine of choice is, uh, that, that's when it's that's when it starts to ha- that's when you start to need it. Um, but the Phillies bullpen did a a really good job securing the last seven outs of this game, picking up for an absolutely electric Zach Wheeler. And I just can't stop talking about what a game Zach Wheeler had. And you just want to you want to see him get as many starts here in these playoffs as possible. Just an electric night by this team, and, and the vibes are still there, man. It's from, you know, Harper screaming and yelling, walking around, running around third base, you know, the infielders hugging each other. You've got the dugout celebrations, you know. Um, Nick Castellanos showing everyone his ring finger when he was standing on second base. It looked it looked for all the world for a little while there, like he was flashing a middle finger at people. But no, as you can see on the picture, it clearly is a ring finger. Um, and so <clears throat> it's, um, it's okay. It's family friendly. Um, but yeah, just a, a tremendous, a tremendous effort by the fans, by Zach Wheeler, by the offense to to grind out some runs, uh, to grind out some runs against the uh, a really good Miami pitching staff. And after the game, Bryce Harper said that he didn't see Dusty Wathen and didn't know that he had put up the stop sign. So uh, it's really not a. It doesn't seem as though Harper was looking at the stop sign and said, "Nah, I'm good." But when you saw him rounding second base, midway between second and third, and you saw him flip the helmet off of his head with his hand. Dusty Wathen would have needed a rhinoceros to charge Bryce Harper to take him out, and I don't think that even would have stopped him. I would have feared for the rhinoceros's safety. I mean, it just was. It was an incredible energetic moment that really sealed the deal and uh, and put brought put the Phillies on their way to winning game one by the score of four to one. And so now the Phillies get ready to play game two of the wild card series. That'll again take place on Tuesday night uh, at Citizens Bank Park. You've got Broxton Garrett going up against Aaron Nola. And here's, here's where we're going to get um, uh, a really good indication of whether or not the Aaron Nola we saw in the last two starts of the season is going to be the guy that we see in the playoffs. I always like seeing these articles, which, and there was another one that came out on Tuesday before the game where Aaron Nola said that it, in his last, in two, before his last two starts, he changed something to his mechanics and that he felt like he was a lot more under control when he did that. He said he was throwing a, like his he was like crossing his legs when he pitched or whatever, and so um, he was kind of thrown across his body a little bit. And he said he stopped doing that. And I think we saw the difference in those in those last two starts. So I maybe that's uh, you really hope that that's true. You really hope that that's the case. You always like to hear that a pitcher thinks they may have figured something out, that they may have found something. Sometimes it turns out not to be the case, and sometimes they know they're doing something wrong, and they can't stop doing it. But the Phillies at least have a little bit of cushion, but you want to get this second win. You do not want to give the Marlins life. And Broxton Garrett's a pretty good pitcher. Now, the Phillies hit Broxton Garrett around in their two starts against him. I think he had an ERA of like four and a half or 4.6 or something like that. Um, so it, it he was not lights out against the Phillies. And I think we saw, again, the right-handed hitters really did a good job in this game uh, against, against Jesus Lazardo. Uh, you had Trey Turner, who got uh, two hits. Um, of course, you had uh, Nick Castellanos with a with a two-hit night and that big RBI double in the eighth inning. JT Real Muto added a hit and a run. In fact, everybody in the starting lineup 
got a hit in this game. Alec Bohm with the big hit down the left field line. And Christian Pache, Johan Rojas had big hits in this game. So I imagine you'll see the same lineup uh, going out there uh, in game two. If it, you know, it worked, so why not stop it? And Christian Pache actually um, in left field defensively, first player of the game. Uh, when Arias hits that line drive to left field, Pache out there, it, you know, Brandon Marsh is out there. I like Brandon Marsh. He's a good defender, but Pache is an elite defender, and it's possible Brandon Marsh doesn't get the same kind of read on that ball. Pache makes the catch, and Zach Wheeler is on his way. So uh, the Christian Pache experiment in game one worked. I imagine we will see it uh, in game two as well. Uh, but Brandon Marsh did get into the game and got a pinch hit appearance and and popped out. So we will see some Brandon Marsh sprinkled in here, uh, here and there in this uh, quick series. We hope this is a quick two-game series. Because the Phillies going back at it here on Wednesday night for game two. Um, but game one was everything we could have wanted in a playoff opener. Man, it hit all the right notes. He had it really did feel like we were back in 2022. The fans were crazy. Zach Wheeler was was shoving. The bullpen looked awesome and the offense was doing its job. And what you really like about this offense is that there isn't anybody in this lineup that's struggling right now. Everybody is putting together a competitive at bat. Anybody in this lineup can hurt you. And that's, that's a really great thing. That's an important thing. That's an amazing thing that the Marlins are going to have to deal with, whether they're left-handed or whether they're right-handed. This is a lineup that's going to be difficult. And if Aaron Nola is on his game at all tomorrow night, I fear for Miami because the Marlins just didn't look ready. The Marlins did not look like they were ready for the moment. The Phillies looked like they absolutely uh, were ready for the moment. And uh, and it was a it was a beautiful night at the ballpark here on Tuesday night. Uh, and just kind of recapping some of the other scores um, from uh, from Tuesday's action, the Diamondbacks get off to a one nothing start the, the, against the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they beat up on uh, Corbin Burns and uh, beat beat the Brewers 6-3 to three to take game one of that series. Uh, Milwaukee may really just have a hard time with the news that Brandon Woodruff is going to probably miss the playoffs with a with a shoulder injury. It's a, That's a devastating piece of news to get on the eve of a playoff series. And you got to think that maybe that hurt the Brewers' morale quite a bit. And to watch then Corbin Burns get lit up, Give up a bunch of home runs. Milwaukee jumped out to a 3-0 lead in this one, and Burns couldn't hold it. So Arizona takes the first game. Again, they're D-backs of the road team, and they take the, the 1-0 series lead here over in the American League. The Twins, oh, thank goodness. The Twins finally broke their 18-game postseason losing streak uh, by beating the Blue Jays at home Three to one to take a one game to none series lead. Uh, and then you had the Rangers shutting out the Rays. The Rangers go into Tampa and, and throw a shutout uh, against uh, against the Rays four to nothing. Really nice pitching performance by Jordan Montgomery. He went seven shutout innings, five strikeouts, no walks, six hits allowed. Uh, terrific outing from him. And so the Rangers jump on top. They need just one more win to move on to the divisional round. So the Phillies, the Rangers, the Twins, and the Diamondbacks all get victories in game one of of the wild card series and all of these all eight of these teams will be lining it up at the same time uh on wednesday for games two 
of the wildcard series. Again, Philly's looking to punch their ticket to the National League Division Series and a chance to to meet up with the Atlanta Braves in a rematch of last year's NLDS. But one more game to go, and the vibes are good. Citizens Bank Park is rocking. Love that the Phillies are playing in prime time. Just a real special field. Major League Baseball wanted the Phillies in this spot, and you can see why with the energy level coming through the screen. Just absolutely incredible. So a great night at the ballpark. Game one of the National League wildcard series here in 2023. Phillies four, Marlins one. The Phillies looking to move on after a win in game two here uh, on Wednesday night. Hopefully we will see that happen. Hopefully looking for a good Aaron Nola start uh, and the offense to maybe hit a couple of bombs and and make it a laugher. Take us take us into Atlanta on a laugher, boys, and uh, let's get those uh, let's get those Citizen Bank Park vibes rolling in game number two. All right, everybody, that's going to do it here for this edition of Hit and Season. And like I said, we're going to have recaps after every game, so make sure you stick with us throughout the entire postseason run. However long it goes, we hope it's just as long as last year. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you right after game two here on Hit and Season.